demonstrating the power of his resurrection. The Word of God says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, and I'll read the rest, and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. That I may know him. I want to just emphasize this as we look at that text. I admire and appreciate the work that Paul did in his writings and in his ministry. And when I look and realize that in that it says that I may know him, Paul was saying, he said, I haven't arrived yet. There's still things that I'm still getting and grasping and wanting to know about the power that is there in that resurrection. I want to deviate just a little bit off of that and show to us in the Word of God the ability that you and I should have to demonstrate that very power within our lives, that power of resurrection. I believe today that God is calling us to a place of where we walk it off, we shake it off, and we pour it off. Those three distinctives that I am just quoted to you We're going to elaborate on and help you to understand this is what God has asked of us, has required of us, if we are going to be the overcomer that Christ speaks about in Revelations chapter 2 and 3 of he that overcomes. So as we look at that, it's only by getting to know him in the power of his resurrection that you and I are called to a place of where we walk it off. Joshua chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, and then Joshua chapter 6, verse number 3. I want to give you a little background in where I'm at with this message today. Way back in December, Reverend Meek stood and delivered a wonderful message, and he spoke on, why does God do the things he does? He was talking about the fact that in Joshua's journey, They'd already crossed the Jordan River. They had gotten to the other side, and all of a sudden, God springs it on them and says, now you guys that are 18 years of age and over, it's time to get circumcised. In all of that, as he was preaching that message, the Holy Spirit began to speak into my heart, and he says, I got their back. I had it covered. He said, I did not, once they were circumcised, about 600,000 of them, He said, they healed, but they were still sore. But he said, I didn't throw them into the battle. He said, all I asked of them to do was to get up and walk it off. And they walked around Jericho one time, and they did that for seven times, and then the walls fell down. If you don't fully understand what I'm talking about, you know, I just pray that Tonight, when you wake up, you stump your toe on the side of the bed and you do that hoochie-coochie dance that you do when the pain is intense. And then you realize that we, when pain hits, we walk it off. And God is calling us as the church to walk it off. And that's important because circumcision is the act that God has called the children of Israel to, to typify and show the cutting away of the flesh. 
You and I that are here that name the name of Jesus, male or female alike, it doesn't matter the age, there is a circumcision that God is going to do in your life. There's going to be the cutting of away of the flesh. And may I say, you're very attached to usually those things he wants to cut away. And it's painful. But God is calling us to that place. If you're going to journey with God, you as a believer, and let me just say, now these poor guys, 600,000 of them, it was a one-time occurrence. But I don't know about you, but me as a follower of Jesus Christ, I've had God cut stuff out of my life more than one time. And it's not been something to write home about. But the thing about it is, I have to learn to walk it off. God is not calling me and you as a believer to sit by and have ourselves a pity party as gloom, despair, and misery owe me. He's calling you to walk it off. As an act of faith, because the Word says we walk by faith, not by sight. In that same chapter of Philippians where Paul was writing, you go down to verse 13 of chapter 3, and he says, Forgetting those things which are behind, I press now forward to the prize of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus my Lord. God's showing us in his word that I cannot afford in those moments and times when God is cutting away those things that is keeping me and separating me from what I would say a victory from winning of battles in my life. You may be sitting there today and say, I'll never see that happen. Oh, yes, you will. If you allow God to do his perfect will and way in your life, you will see God do the miraculous for you. There are victories to be won. There are battles that you will be engaged in, and yet you will come through victorious. See, the fact of the matter is, once they had made their journey around there seven times, there was that victory. All they did, the word said, it's so beautiful. It says that the walls did not fall one way or the other. It's like God just opened up a trap door and all the walls went down. They walked straight forward into the city and they won the victory. There's victories for you today. There is what every one of us can have through the power of his resurrection. But it's important that we come to that place of saying, I'm going to walk this thing off. I'm not going to sit back and feel sorry for myself. Some years ago, I had, oh, oh, back in 2011, 12, I don't know, somewhere in there, I had a hip replacement. Put me on the table, knocked me slam out, put a needle in my back, and I had no feeling from my legs, from my waist down. But you know what happened? They didn't say, poor Rodney. Brought me in the room. I'm laying there. Got any feeling in those feet? Well, I'm getting, well, okay, you got feeling in those feet? Well, I'm getting there. Well, you have feeling in those feet. Here, stand up. What's that mean? I couldn't lay there any longer. It's time to move. And they took me out in the hallway. Said, you see, it's about the length of the, this church here. See down there, there's a, three steps. If you can walk all the way down there, go up them steps and walk back, we'll consider to let you go home. I got to it. I walked it off. God's calling you and I today to do the same. I've been in the ministry long enough. I'm not the sharpest pencil in the cup. I know this. I have seen too many Christians that had such high potential that have let this thing 
of letting God cut these things. He's going to do it. My dad would take his belt out quicker than John Wayne could pull his gun out of the holster. And him and I would do the hoochie-coochie dance in the church nursery sometime in Bedford, Pennsylvania. You know why I'm doing this, don't you, boy? Because I love you. You have a fine way of showing it. I didn't tell him that, but I walked it off. God's calling a generation of people to stand and walk it off. There are too many Christians that are laying along the side of the road, laying in the ditch, because it was just too much. No, it's not too much. Through the power of His resurrected Spirit, you can stand to your feet and walk this thing off, and you're going to look and say, what a difference God has made in my life. Walk it off! Walk it off! I pulled a hamstring in my leg when I was playing church softball back up in 1980. Now, I just didn't walk around and say, boy, I felt good. I want to do the other leg. But one thing for sure, I walked it off. I knew that in that thing got black and blue in the whole nine yards. I knew that if I didn't walk that thing off, it's not going to get any better. And let me tell you something to you and I as believers today. Whatever God has taken from me, he will replace. He will bring the victory. But he is telling you and I today like as never before, if you don't pick it up and walk it off, you'll never get there. That's just point one. The one thing that you need to remember also is that he walks with you. Number two, Acts chapter 28, verse number five, I demonstrate the power of his resurrection by the fact of how good I shake it off. Within that text, Paul had just gotten out of a terrible shipwreck, landed on an island, and he had reached into a wood pile to get a hold of some wood so that he could keep the fire going. And when he reached in, a snake grabbed him on his arm and bit him. Now the crowd around him had the idea that this man's an evil man, he's going to die, just give him room. He didn't die, but what he did do is he shook it off. Now there's a snake out there that's got his eye on every one of us that's trying to do our best for God. Those that are hypocrites, those that are playing church, those that are out in the world, he won't bother you. But when you set your mind to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to overcome and to do everything humanly possible within yourself to see God glorified in your life, there's a snake waiting on you. I said to the crowd this morning, I said, you know what? If we could see in the spirit eye, I wonder how many snakes is hooked up to people when they walk in the church door. That wouldn't be pretty. But the fact of the matter is, all you got to do is shake it off. But you'd rather have him hanging. I don't want the devil hanging around me. That got a little boy went to the principal's office, and the principal got the, that's when he used the paddle. Johnny. Whack, whack, whack. I think the devil's got a hold of you. He looked up with them big eyes and said, I think he has too. <laughs> Don't let the devil get a hold of you. Shake it off. Within the Word of God and within our just our journey, there are some things that we learn as to our giving us the ability to shake it off. 
And it's important that we understand that. We are equipped. You don't have to carry snakes and, oh, I, I wish I could get rid of that thing. Just shake it off. We must shake it off by the power of his word. His word is powerful. Psalm 139, I've been reading and rereading. You're always going to find a new adventure in the word of God if you just take the time to look. That thing has come alive to me where the psalmist said, even before I was born, you already knew what my days were. Man, that just blows my mind. The fact of the matter is there's power in that word. Jesus, when he was in the wilderness and the enemy was attacking him on three different levels, he didn't try to debate him. He didn't argue with him. Because you can never argue against the truth. He spoke the word of God and that truth stopped the enemy right in his tracks. He shook the devil off. Let me just go on and say while I'm in there, Jesus didn't stand around and say, well, let's give it time to see what's going to happen. As immediately as the enemy came, he countered with the word of God and said, thus it is written. You and I that are here under the sound of my voice, you have the same ability to take hold of the word of God, to quote that word, to speak it and not just speak it just under your, I say declare it. Speak that word with authority because it has authority. It stops the enemy in his tracks. The other thing that we have that's going on in our favor is that we also have his name. I realize that in this world that we are living in, you may not appreciate what I'm about to say, but it's a truth. We got more sinners out there in the world today that are not ashamed to quote the name of Jesus as a curse word than we do as Christians standing in break rooms somewhere at a gas station, in a McDonald's, at a restaurant just to be saved. Say, thank you, Jesus, for the food. Oh, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but I'm proud of who I serve. And there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in that name. You name that name of Jesus, you can walk around and say, Oh, devil, in Rodney's name, he'll say, Ha! But when you say, The one that walks with me and talks with me, the one that has that power resting in me, as Pastor Steve just said, that name of Jesus, I take authority over you in his name. Thirdly, we not only have that going on within our lives, but we also have his precious blood. I am so grateful that I can stand here in this church and we have a congregation, we have worship, we have pastors that are not ashamed of the blood of Christ. There are some churches that do not even want that word mentioned. But let me just say this to you. That word is powerful in the blood of Jesus. I just let, oh God, just let it fall upon this person. Minister to them. Hasn't happened a lot in my ministry, but on occasion, I've seen demon-possessed people. When I say the name of Jesus, and when I say by the blood of the everlasting covenant, you'll see them recoil and pull back and become tense because that spirit, that devil that is in them cannot tolerate it. And you have that working in you. All you got to do is say, God, let your blood cover me. 
Jesus, let your blood be upon my life, my children, my grandchildren. Shake it off. Don't carry this thing in your life because in that, that's that attack that the enemy may bring in your life. It may be hard, but until you make that personal effort and make your stand and draw the line in the sand and say, this is it. Shake it off and say, I'm not going to take that or accept it. I am walking as a child of God. I was coming up out of Parksburg up to where the traffic light is, where the intersection of 30 and Route 10 is. I want us to understand something, and I, I'm, it's serious. To me it is. It may not be to you. There are some people that don't even believe the devil exists. I had to look about two or three times till I finally got it in my brain. I was pulling up. This car was turning into the place of Walmart, and I was going on to the traffic light and catch 30 into Exton. I looked once and looked again. Bumper sticker said this, I am protected by witchcraft. I know I'm not, but I I just want us to wrap ourselves around this. This is coming to, it's like filth and sewage that's been at the bottom of the river. It's being stirred up and it's coming to the top. And you know why I think is because of us as Christians, we're not willing to walk it off, shake it off, and pour it off. We're not willing to step up and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I am not ashamed to stand my ground and say, I'm a believer of Jesus Christ. This is what he's calling us to. Well, I didn't see it coming. You may not see it coming, but I'm telling you now, it's out there. And it's going more and more and more. Church, we have an responsibility to show to this sin-cursed world that what I've got is real. That that resurrection power that is in my life is just not mere words, but it's real. It's time we shake off the devil and all of his mess and say, I'm going to serve God with everything that is within me. Walk it off, shake it off. The last one is God's calling us to pour it off. You may want to pull your toes in. You may step on your toes here on this one, but I don't think so. We pour off our desires. See, we shake off the enemy's attack, but it is a choice of my life that I do what I do with my desires. God has given those to you. And the word says, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Today, we have healthy desires and we have unhealthy desires. Second Samuel chapter 23, verses 14 through 16. This is a healthy desire. David is in a cave. He's under attack. And he begins to reflect back to home. And he says, oh, if I could just have a drink from that water from the well of Bethlehem. Three of his men, so loyal, risked their lives, went behind enemy lines and went and got him the flask of water and brought it to David. 
They risked their lives, mind you, and what did he do? He poured it out on the ground. That was his desire, but he poured it out. There were centuries later, there was one by the name of Jesus. He gave his life. He took a spear in his side and poured off his blood and water to the ground. He gave his life for you. He didn't risk his life. He gave it. And I wrote this down and I want to read it verbatim. I should be willing to pour off my healthy desires to see him fill me with his desires. Because I have learned and I have heard from testimony of many people that whenever I pour off my desires, my plans, and my ambitions and set the vessel upright and say, okay, God, you fill it with healthy desires. It will astound you. It will amaze you at what he pours in. But you can't pour any more into something that's already full. You've got to pour it off and let it be refilled with his desires. Your desires, what are they today? We're not talking sin here. But I tell you what, I want everything that he has for me. I don't want none of my junk. I don't know what about you. You know, Paul says my righteousness is as filthy rags. I got junk. Paul says that what he's got for us is treasure. For we now have this treasure in earthly vessels. Are you willing to pour off your healthy to get what he has that's even far greater? That's your call, not mine. David said, I can't do this. They risked their lives. I pour it off. I look to the cross today and I say, God, I can't do this. I can't go on my own desires. I want to take your desires because you was willing to give all for me. This is where it gets just a little interesting. Unhealthy desires. There's not one of us in this house today that doesn't have them. One way or the other. Whether you want the next door neighbors riding a lawnmower or whether you envy some place in healthy desire of someone on the job, they're making more money, they've been you know, promoted, and, or it can be something nasty, unhealthy. Can I just say this to you? God is calling us. He's calling me. I'm not going to stand up here and preach this message and make you to believe that I don't have unhealthy desires. I'm human. It's part of our makeup, but I know who I can run to to fix me and to make me whole. You pour them out to God. If not, it will forever come at a high price. The Word of God says very well that when Nathan stood before David and he looked him in the eye, he said, Sir, King, the sword and the spear will never leave your house for the act that you've done. You're going to pay. Some of the old timers used to say, if you're going to dance, you're going to pay the fiddler. I'm old. David, that sword's never, and it never did. He had a turbulent home for the rest of his life. It was so bad that when he died and they had him laying in his bed, not one of his wives that he had crawled in bed with him, they brought someone else in because it was all messed up. 
Because he refused. Now here's the same man that would pour off the water and think nothing of it because of his situation that these men risked their lives. But when it came to his own person, he said, God, I'm going to hold on to this, this unhealthy desire. I want that woman. I don't care what anybody says. I want Go get her, bring her to my house, and if I got to, I'll kill, take, or do whatever. And he did. He killed. Her husband went down. Uh, and for the rest of his life, if you read Psalm 51, he says, my sin is ever before me. Yeah, every day he wakes up, he's looking her in the eye. Unhealthy desire. Second Samuel 12, verse number 8. God's in this thing. Whether you try to take those unhealthy desires and tuck them away back in your coat, well, God will never see them. Get back. Come on. Give me a break. You know good and well he does. God said, David, and here it is. I would have given you a house of Israel, Judah, and if it had been too little, I also would have given you much more. David, what's wrong here? Give up those unhealthy desires. I'm looking out for you, buddy. I've got something to replace that. God has something, sir, ma'am. I don't care what your feelings, and I don't care. Your feelings are fickle. You can have an affair and go have a one-night stand and wake up the next morning and realize, now where do I go from here? You try to figure that one out because it's going to get messy. It's not going to get pretty. Why? Because the woman that you were with, the man that you're with, the woman that you're with, sir, let me just tell you, lady, let me just tell you, you're going to look them in the face and you're going to realize now what do I do? I've brought this into my life and I'm not just going to walk away from it. These things will haunt you till the day trust factors will be destroyed. Family relationships will be devoured and all because I just could not pour out those unhealthy desires that I had to have. What holds a relationship together? It isn't the physical. It's the fact that I am in relationship of commitment with this person, and this is what makes the intimacy precious. I can stand and testify the what-ifs, but didn't do how happy I am now. The opportunities that presented themselves, I stand here today and say, I look back and I look way back in that rearview mirror. And I say, Jesus, thank you. I was pastoring the church in Petersburg, West Virginia, and I had my youngest little girl with me. She'd go visiting with me. And there was one, one occasion, thank you, Jesus, walk up to the door, knock on it. Woman shows up in her pajamas, leopard skin. She looks at me and I look at her. I, I don't think this is a good time to visit. She looks at my little girl. Boom, I'm out of here. And the fact of the matter is, I look back on that and God had my back. He had my back. He's got your back. He had David in his eyesight when David did the dastardly deed. And God said, I'd have given you so much more. Wow. Remember what was up there? God was there for David, but David didn't want to see it. Today he lives, and I prove this by life's example and how well I walk it off, shake it off, and pour it off. It comes 
by knowing the power of his resurrection. God, I know this isn't Christmas. It's Easter. But I'm asking that you would give good gifts in this place today. I pray that men and women of God would come to a place of a greater awareness of the power of your resurrection, Jesus, simply by getting to know who you are. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Stand with me, if you will. Let's sing that song. Heaven. 